Welcome, everybody. It's Denise DeGregoli, the host and creator of My Daily Drive. I'm so thankful that you're tuning in today to share this time and space together. Come here on Tuesdays and fuel up on your motivation. You know, we believe it's how you fuel your mind, your body, your spirit that creates the life you live. Fuel it well, fuel it with the daily drive. We bring on change makers, untold heroes, celebrities, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, regular Joes like me and you who are passionate about whatever it is their purpose is, what drives them in spite of many roadblocks, trials, tribulations. It's people like that that move us forward. I'm thankful that we get this. We've got some incredible people that have been making this journey for me possible. You're going to meet one of them today, but we always start off the show with a mindful minute. And I want to talk to you about positive words and powerful results. Hal Urban's book that I stumbled across the other day. And you know, what stuck to me was our words reveal us. What's stored in our hearts often pours out of our mouths. Now, we're all bombarded with messages. You know, they say that we get more information today in a one hour period of time than we got in the entire year of 1920. So I, I love media, obviously. I'm on media, but billboards, radio, newspapers, internet, I mean, floor graphics, constantly, constantly bombarding us. So how do we make sense of it? Because of course, technology is good and communication is good. And I'm always looking for the good here on the Daily Drive. But how about up a point that Zig Ziglar, who is a great motivational speaker of our time said, would you let somebody come into your living room and drop a bag of trash? Probably not. And if they did, you'd be like, what? What are you doing? We have to kind of use that for our own filters. You know, filter out the trash, so to speak, that we allow into our minds because consciously and subconsciously it takes root. And then before we know it, that becomes a part of our heart. So here on the drive, we're always looking for positive things that can move us forward. I think for, for this week, let's reflect on that. What are we allowing in and how can we better screen it? It always starts off with a little trip down uh, an active meditation for me called My Daily Drive. I believe in you know steering your thoughts therefore will steer your actions based on your principles. You can check out my book at www.denisedegregoli.com. And it's a simple journaling practice that I use that kind of keeps me straight. And then I fuel myself up by helping you here on the drive and bringing in great, great change makers, people that really have something so powerful to share. I hope you'll be inspired. I hope you'll tune in. And I hope if you like it, you'll share it. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. That's where we play around. And before I introduce my fabulous guest, who is all about words and heart and passion, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about one of our sponsors, the prod, the product agent. You can find the product agent on productagent.com. Jessica Cohen and her team places the hottest brands in the right spots on TV and film. What I love about Jessica is not only is she a regular advocate of the Daily Drive, but she also drives a purpose-driven business. She looks for the things that are good. She looks to help new and exciting brands, as well as very well-established brands, put themselves in pinnacle spots in great places in TV and film that make a difference for all of us. So if you've got a great brand or you've got an upcoming brand that Jessica needs to know about, please check her out on theproductagent.com. 
Now, I want to play you a really kind of cool little song. Can you hang tight with me? This is going to tell you a lot about my upcoming guest. Nope, that's not the song. Okay. <laughs> this is the song I want you to hear. Adventure Girl, explore your world. Live it fast and make it last. Live it bright and make it light. Adventure Girl, explore your world. Fast talking, not afraid of walking or ashamed of asking questions. Living life relentlessly and open to the power of suggestion. Breaking motivation, concentration, education, passion Rapid fire rhyming and you know that everything is in the timing Adventure girl Guinness Book of Records domination Collaboration, exploration, burning hope for future generations Fast talking, not afraid of walking or ashamed of asking questions Living life relentlessly and open to the power of suggestion Adventure girl Persistence, 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 persistence. Adventure girl, explore your world. Live it fast and make it last. Live it bright and make it light. Now, if that doesn't motivate you, friends, I'm not quite sure what will. Today, we've got Fran Capo in the wings. An incredible stand-up com- comedian, Guinness Book of World Records fastest talking woman. Talk about words at 603.32 words per minute. Fran, are you with us? I am with you. <laughs> I am so thankful you're here. Do it, Dare to do it over 4,500 appearances, radio, TV. I'm honored you've been to the top of Kilimanjaro signing books. You've dove to the bottom of the Titanic, swam with sharks, and you did something crazy with hot coals. If you aren't a venture girl and a woman that can motivate us and inspire us, who else can? Fran. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because I am lucky that I actually, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. I loved uh, what you said up front about clearing your mind of trash clearing your your house of trash because people don't realize it you know it's kind of like my mom used to say it's like you know yeah something bother you you sweep it under the rug and you know that stuff still stays there until you vacuum it out you know just because you think nobody sees it or just because it's internal you know it still builds up and so getting rid of dumping the trash out of your mind out of your life 
is just such an important thing because if your body is filled with trash, there's no room for the good stuff. That's right. That's absolutely right. I, that's the clean fuel we talk about here on The Drive. Now, what I love to, and you also do tremendous work with entertaining our vets. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We want to hear about what what fuels you. Where did you get your passion? How did you get started? We've got a lot to cover in this short period of time. I want to talk about your incredible book, Hopeville, that's just so powerful. So, but I want the audience to understand what, where, where's your chutzpah come from? You know, I think it comes, my mom said that when I was little, that I always would look at something and decide that I could do it. So I guess I've had that in there, but I really have to give credit to my mother and my father, because even though they were just regular working class, you know, middle-class people, they, they just had the foresight to always allow me to be myself. And my dad always said to look for the humor in life. And my mother said that nothing is impossible. So if I would do something and it worked, then I would use it for motivation. And if I didn't and it didn't work, I use it for stand-up comedy. So I'm like, oh, this is win-win. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's a win-win. And, you know, so basically everything that I have is built with the philosophy of just say yes and figure it out later. Because I figure, you know, like even when I wanted to write a book, I've written 19 books. I would go into a library and I'm going, well, if all these people wrote a book, I could write a book. And everything I look at, I go, well, if those people could run a marathon, I could run a marathon. If that person could climb a mountain, I could climb a mountain. So I never believe that there's anything I can't do. Now, I have to have the motivation to want to do it. But I really, I, I don't know what, I just feel like God gave us this life. And life is like this giant buffet table. And, you know, so I want to try a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. And when I die, and I mean, physical body dies because your energy never dies, your soul never dies. And when I go to heaven, I can say, God, you gave me a life and I used it all up. Could have used a few more years because I'm sure I would have thought of some other stuff. But I just... I see things, I'm like, oh, wow, what's on the other side of that river? Oh, what's on the other side of that mountain? It's just, I love exploring. I love seeing. And I am just, and it's not a matter of not being satisfied because someone may say, well, are you never satisfied with where you are? It's just a pure love for life. It's sort of curiosity. It's kind of like lifelong learning. You're into being a lifelong learner and an adventurer. Now, how do you help other people do that? Like, how do you help people do that? You know, a lot of times people have it in them and they just don't realize because people allow fear to stop them. But what they don't realize about fear is, let, let's say jumping out of a plane. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to jump out of a plane, but I've always wanted to. See, they have to have the desire that they've wanted to do something. You know, I've always wanted to have my own business, but I'm scared that it will fail. Whatever it happens to be. And so what I say to people is you do realize that you're fearing it, you, but yet you want to do it. And so you live that fear over and over and over again. The things I do, I'm not saying that I'm not scared to do. I'm just saying that I took it beyond the fear so that I feared it, but I did it anyway. And then afterwards, I get the results. And you know what? What if you do something that doesn't work? So what? You 
think every single person that started a business did it the first time and it was a success? You think the person that is now the world's record holder in, you know, whatever it happens to be, bungee jumping or whatever, wasn't scared the first time they did it? Every single person makes mistakes along the way. And the only thing that matters, you could fall down seven times as long as you get up eight. That's all that matters. It does not matter. But people see just the ultimate success of somebody and they go, wow, that person's lucky. Hell no. It's not that that person was just lucky. That person was willing to take the shot and go beyond their fear. And so what I say to people, what are you scared of? Well, I'm scared I'm going to And so what happens? So what happens if you don't succeed? Well, then, you know, then all of a sudden I'm going to feel I'm a failure. Okay. And then so what? You think the first time you tried to stand when you were two years old, you, you know, or whatever age you tried to stand eight months old and, and you were a success, you just got up and started walking? No. Did you sit there and go, that's it, never walking again? No. So you have to realize that everything that you do in life at one point you weren't good at and just break beyond the fear. And what I do is a lot of times I will push people if I know it's really something they want to do and I'll just say to them, just try it. You don't like it, you never have to do it again if you don't want to. And half the times the fear is bigger than the actual event. Well, that's true. That's very true. Now, what got you into being a comedian? How did you get into that? Because yeah. I, I'm really, an, I look at that from afar and I say, that's something I love. I love humor. I think humor mo moves us forward. I think humor is the greatest tool for self-reflection, uh, stress relieving, blah, blah, blah. I watch only humor when I even do watch TV. So what is it that, you know, how'd you get into that? You know, stand-up comedy was really funny because I was in school. I, I went to Queens College. I was an accounting and philosophy major. So it's kind of like people go, how does that go together? It's like one plus one is two. Why? You know? I mean, it's just like, you know, that's the way that it works. Both, both left side and right side of my brain seem to luckily work, you know, equally. So the way that I got into stand-up was I – Secretly, you know, I saw some stand-up comics and I'm like, wow, that'd be cool to do that. But, you know, like I said, I was an accounting and philosophy major. And so I was like, all right, God, if I'm supposed to do this, give me a sign. Well, literally, I had gone to a car show and I there was this handwriting machine, uh, you know, thing and analysis. And I did it and it said, you have a sense of humor use it to make money and i was like wow that's no but i literally this is me i'm a little you know thick when it comes to signs even though that was a clear sign i went oh you know what that's just a stupid handwriting analysis then a week later i'm online at great adventures and i'm talking to my friends and joking around and the total stranger right behind me taps me on the shoulder he goes i apologize i was listening in on your conversation <laughs> i watched stand-up comics I think you're funny. You should try it. And I'm like, eh, that's just some guy online. Of course, God's up there going, how many bricks do I have to throw at her? <laughs> so then I'm over there, and I was literally never took an acting class at that, at that point in time. And I decided to take a class. And there was a book called Catcher in the Rye. And um, I think it was Catcher in the Rye. Anyway, I wind up reading a passage from it. Oh, no, the zoo story. Edward Albert's the zoo story. And I'm reading a passage from it. And the teacher at the class is laughing and the teacher looks at me and he goes, uh, wow, I never heard anybody read it like that. And I go, why? He goes, oh, it's 
it's about suicide. I said, oh, wow, I totally didn't get that. And <laughs> I had made it into a stand-up comedy bit because I just totally didn't see it that way. So a kid in the class, this was in the very beginning of class, says to me, I do stand-up comedy. I am willing to give you my act for you to do it. But he had told me he was into drugs and pot, and I had never smoked and since still have never tried even, you know, pot or whatever. So I was like, no, no, it's not my routine. So now I have three signs, and I'm over there going, God, I really need you to give me a sign, and I need you to make it convenient. And I know at this point God's going, all right, seriously, you know, really. So here I am now going to school two days after I had said that prayer. Mm-hmm. And normally the doorway that I go into was locked. And I, so I was, it said use side door. So I had to go in through the side door, which I never, I had never done prior to that front door being locked. I go into the side door and on a bulletin board, there is a sign that says stand up comedy auditions today. Winner does a few minutes at Crate and Grace. Creighton and Gray's was an Irish pub that had never done stand-up comedy before, was two minutes from my house. Oh, God. Well, I was a half an hour from, you know, I lived a half an hour to the school, yet the winner would perform two minutes from my house. I went, whoa, God, okay, that's the sign. So then I looked and it said the auditions literally were ending in like two minutes. So I quickly found it was literally some guy standing in a broom closet and I'm not exaggerating there was a chair it was a broom closet and the guy so I go into the closet I go is this where the auditions are and he goes <laughs> yeah and, and I'm like you'll be in the broom and he's like yeah I go all right he goes what do you got now meanwhile I had no preparation or anything I don't to be honest to this day I don't know what the hell I told that guy so I'm like blah 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 I said he goes all right well we're gonna let people know the winners you know and uh give me your phone number you know or what leave your information blah 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 okay so I leave my information a couple of days go by um you know I don't hear from the guy so I had the guy's number so I called him and I said Hey, you know, uh, Brian, I'm just curious, you know, who, who won that contest? And he goes, you did. He goes, but you ran out so fast, you didn't give me your phone number. And he goes, so I posted it on the wall that you were the winner. But I never went back into that door because I kept, you know, I went in the front door again when it, you know, when it was fixed. So I said, well, what do I have to do? Now, this is a Monday. So I go, what do I have to do? He goes, you're going to perform this Friday and you have to have five minutes of material. I said, okay. He calls me that night and he goes, listen, I'm sorry, you're gonna actually have 10 minutes of material. I'm like, 10? In the city, don't they just do like two or three? He goes, listen, it's 10 minutes of material. And then I'm like, all right. By Thursday night, he calls me up and says, you have to have a half an hour material. What? Like, half an hour? Oh, come on. Like, for the very first time on stage, so I was calling everybody I knew. What's the funniest thing I ever told you? You know, blah, blah, blah. I had a teddy bear because I was scared to go up on stage and I wouldn't know what I had notes on the back of the teddy bear. I went up the first night and I killed. I mean, the room was laughing. I got a standing ovation. And so he said, uh, and I got paid 10 bucks, which I was like, whoa, I got paid my very first time. So he said, come back tomorrow night. Next night I go back. 
I tried to duplicate what I did the first night. The difference was the first night, I was literally doing it from my heart. The second night, I was trying to imitate me doing it from my heart. So the second night, I bombed. Oh, God. So bad that I hid in the bathroom, wouldn't allow any patrons to come in. So the entire place cleared out. Um, my mother, I remember the very first night, she was all proud. The second night, she, she was getting nervous to me. She drank too much. She got a little drunk. My boyfriend <laughs> was trying to get me out of the bathroom. And I was so humiliated. I didn't want anybody to see me. You know, well, okay. It turns out a few days later, there was a lady, a magazine lady, that had been in the audience the first night, and she wrote up this article about me that said, fast talk, no, not, I wasn't a fast talker then, you know, so, uh, Fran Capital wins so way successfully through her first live performance. So that then later on, somebody saw that article, asked me to come perform at their club, and then I started doing stand-up on a regular basis. So let me ask you what I get out of that, because a lot of the listeners and viewers of The Daily Drive, what we try to give them is something they can sink their teeth into so they can either move themselves out of their comfort zone, jump into a comfort zone, try something they haven't done, deal with the fear of rejection. Um, several times you brought up signs and faith. Now, I, I know you and I share a similar deep spirituality. Tell our friends that are listening, like, what does that mean? Like, where do you get your faith from? What is spirituality to you? And how does it sustain you through what, what seems like a pretty bad rejection? spiritual as you said than I than I am necessarily Catholic okay because I don't you know go to church on a regular basis but I do pray on a, on a normal on a regular basis so spirituality to me just means my way of connecting with whatever you want to call it the universe God Mother Mary the high power whatever and basically it's me silencing myself trying to enough to be able to hear my inner voice it's almost like that gut that says you need to do this or you should do this and when I hear it I try to listen of course sometimes it takes three shots you know from God to get me to do it but um so the spirituality I always ask for a sign because I realize that sometimes there's things that are bigger than myself and so just like people will hire a coach if they're trying to learn how to play football or you know or basketball or you know and math they're bad in math I feel well, who better than God to be my coach or who better than God to guide me? So I asked for a sign like, hey, just let me know if this is a thing I should be doing. Yes or no. And each person I feel has to take that as their own individual sign. You know, for me, it was a physical sign for somebody else. Let's say they love butterflies and a butterfly lands on their knee and they're like, oh my gosh, I asked for a sign and I love butterflies and it landed on my knee. So that's their sign. So symbols are personal to people then is what you're basically saying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I will know when I get my sign, my symbol for each person, it's different and they know it. You just, it's just, you're like, no, it's not a coincidence. You just know it. But. I don't believe you can just sit there and not do anything about something. You have to be active. You can't just sit and pray and go, hey, God, you know, I want to be a millionaire. And then you sit in your office and do nothing. And then you go, hey, God, did you hear me? I want to be a millionaire. You know, God wants to see that you have faith, that he, this is how I believe, that you have faith 
that he's going to give it to you, but he wants to see that you're willing to do your part. You can't just ask for something. It's just like you want to order something from a catalog. You don't just say, wow, there's a catalog. I'd like to order that thing. You actually call up. You order what you want. And then when after you order it, you don't call them 15, 20 times to go, hey, when's it coming? When's it coming? When's it coming? You trust that you put the order in. You paid the amount, which in my instance would be doing the action of paying your dues, and that the other person's going to do their job and send it. And so that's kind of the way that I look at faith. You know, I ask It's funny you say it. I use that same example all the time in some of my talks. I say, you know, you don't go to Crate and Barrel and place an order and then relentlessly keep placing the order. You know it's going to show up. And if it's on back order, maybe there's a reason, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't your time to get it. Maybe the ones that are going to come through, it's effective. Or maybe they're about to launch a new product and it's going to be a better one. And so they're saying, you know what? You don't want the, you know, whatever, iPhone 7, you want the iPhone 8. You know, and so for some reason, you just can't get that seven and you think, wow, I, man, that's the one I wanted. That's what I wanted. And then all of a sudden, the eight comes and you go, wow, I didn't realize this is really better for me than the other one. So to to I guess to give somebody a tangible thing to hold on to, what I would say is you put out to the universe what you want. You go about doing it in the manner you think best that you could obtain your goal. And if you're finding stumbling blocks or something along the way, you just say, hey, give me some guidance. And I will trust that the right people will come in, the right opportunities will come in. Mm -hmm. And somehow, all of a sudden, somebody out of the blue calls, you take a detour in a road and you see something, and it will present itself. Yeah, the messaging we receive through, what is it, chance coincidences of meetings, phone calls, even me meeting you was so fabulous in the way that it all happened because it was so perfect. I mean, I definitely believe the same thing. I mean, you've got to put yourself in a spot where you're open to the opportunity. You've got to have positive thoughts because if you also always come from a place of this will never work, I'm this, I'm, I can't do that because I'm old, I can't do this because I'm a girl, I can't blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Then you give yourself, yeah. You could, sh you could, you could should yourself out of everything. I should have done this. I can't do it. It's too late. Right. And you know what? It is never too late. Even to the day you die, it is never too late to apologize to someone to do that last thing. It is never too late. I think of Jack Lane. People go, oh, you know, I can't do that because I'm getting older. I'm like, you know, Jack Lane pulled boats with his teeth till he was like 80 years old. I don't want to hear this age nonsense. Right. It's whatever barrier you put in your head is your own barrier you're putting in your head. Nobody else is putting it there. And maybe if you do have the negative people in your life, well, you know what? You can love them from a distance. They don't have to be right here, you know, in your path. That's part of taking out the trash. That is part of taking out the trash trash so I what I was fascinated by when our friend uh, Pat Queso connected us I was fascinated by all the things you've done 19 books the positive energy the unstoppable I will do it and then when you told me the story of how you were awoken at four in the morning by a mysterious voice we don't know if it was male or female that told you to write down the title of a book that you weren't intending on writing I was thinking, yep, this lady needs to get on my show because this is another example of, you know what, you can plan life and life will happen. And 
And then you've got to be available and open to what I'll call, you know, scenic pit stops or setbacks or roadblocks or, and behind every little thing that could be perceived as an annoyance or maybe not, there's always like a little seed of hope or opportunity. So I did read your book, Hopeville, A City of Light. What I want you to tell our audience quickly is the story fascinating of how it came to you and how it kind of made itself very evident that you needed to kind of be the person to write it. Okay, well, you covered some of it up front, and yes. So basically, in a nutshell, uh, the, the way that it would happen, I was sleeping, like you said, at 4 o'clock in the morning. I had this dream, at least I thought it was a dream, that said, hey, get up, you got to write this book. And I'm like, wow, that's a weird dream. And the voice was being very persistent. So I literally turned on the light, didn't see anything, went back, thought it went back to sleep, heard the voice, get up, you have to write this book. It has a message that has to get out to the world. So I turned on the light. That's when I heard the voice that I could tell it was neither male nor female. And I was like, all right, listen. I hear you. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm in the middle of writing another book. And they said, write this title down. Hope of the city of life. You know, took out a pen and paper, wrote it down. I said, listen, I don't mean to be rude, but it's 4 o'clock in the morning. That's all I'm doing right now. We'll have to discuss this later. And I went back to sleep. You know, they're probably going, Jesus, lady has no respect. Whatever. Anyway, so next morning, get up, take my kids to school, my mom to work, have to get my car fixed. I bring my laptop. I'm going to work on my book, Adrenaline Adventures, which is the book I was working on for a couple of and I was on deadline for that book and I've never had writer's block in my life and so there I am I say to the guy well you fix the car I'm gonna be here for three hours can I sit up he lets me sit up in the back I start to type and physically my hands cannot type and I'm like oh wow this is really weird it was like I would go to go touch the keyboard and physically could not write so I'm looking around at the guys in the shop they're very happy and everything. And I'm like going, I can't just sit here for three hours. What am I going to do? I got to be productive. And so I said, what was the name of that book? And I had stuck the piece of paper in my back pocket. I opened it up and then I go, eh, let me try this. And as I went to write, hopeful, the city of light, my fingers flowed. And that is the last thing I remember writing. I remember writing hopeful, the city of light. The next thing I remember writing was towards the end. Then the guy goes, Fran, your car's ready. And he goes, okay, that was really weird. I go, what? He goes, we were all looking at you. You didn't take a drink of water. You didn't go to the bathroom. You didn't blink your eyes. It looked like you did. You didn't, it looked like you weren't breathing. You just typed nonstop. He goes, what were you working on? I said, I honestly don't know. I think I wrote a book. He's like, how do you not know? I said, I cannot tell you one word that's on that page. So he said, and, and you remember, there's noise all around, there's tools, there's, you know, they're working on the car, and I didn't hear any of it, nothing. Okay, so I take the book, but I was on deadline for Adrenaline Adventures, I take the book, close my laptop, don't even think about it, go back to writing my other book. A couple of weeks later, I'm like, I should probably look at this book and see what the heck I wrote if it even makes sense. So I look at it, and basically... It's more of a, it's a parable about following your dreams. It's like a simple story that has a really good message. It's about four people, a mother, a little boy, an old man, and a successful businessman. And they're basically, the little boy's getting bullied, the mother's holding down three jobs, um, the successful businessman gave up, you know, getting married and having a love just to build his business. And the old man feels he has a lot of wisdom from what he learned and nobody wants to listen to him. They're discouraged with people in life. They don't know who to trust, what to do. And so at that 
same night, they all say a prayer and an angel of light comes to them with the same message to each of them. And they're each asked to carry out their part. Each of them thinks that they're not capable of like this big task, but in the end, they all do it in their own way. And what it shows is the efforts of each person, no matter how small it may seem at the time, transforms the energy of the whole small town that they live in. And they go through different obstacles along the way, and then their paths all come together. But basically, it's a story of hope, inspiration, never giving up, following your dream, and living life to the fullest. And it shows how one person does have a ripple effect on a whole community and can make people come together and reevaluate and realize the important things in life. So it's really not just a book, it's a way of life. But the thing that I didn't know after I had written it was, well, do I send it to somebody? Do I edit it? What do I do? And so what happened at one point in time, uh, that guy from Conversations, I, what's that guy's name? You know, the one that wrote Conversations? Oh, God. Conversations with God. I forget his name. You know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know no. who you're talking about. He wrote the book and he had turned it into a movie. And a friend of mine said, hey, I want to go get the book signed. Should we go see him? And then I was like, I want to see that guy's editor. And so I went, you know, and it turns out at the end of his tour, he comes and then he's announcing, hey, I have a special thing today. My editor is with me. And I'm like, wow, out of all 48 states, it's the only state the editor came to. Everybody runs to the author. I run to the editor. I said, hey, just out of curiosity, did you edit the book? He goes, how do you edit God? And so that to me was my sign leave the book exactly as it is but what I did was I pulled out the 44 principles in the book now the funny thing about this book is that I really I mean I'm attached to it but I don't feel I wrote it but yet I know I physically am the one who you know typed it on the page and, and wrote it but people keep pointing out things to me when I finally decided to write the book I put the book um, as an ebook and when I put it as an ebook, it had hit within one day. It became number 11 on Amazon. And it was just, you know, first they did it as a uh, trial copy, you know, went to Staples, made up 50 copies, sold 50 copies within two days. Then I was like, okay, I did my job. And then you know, a couple of years later, I was like, no, maybe I should put it into ebook. Then it hit number 11 on Amazon. Then I again left it. And then someone said to me, you know, uh, you know, what are you ever doing with that Hopeville book? So I said a prayer again to Mother Mary. And I was like, all right, Mother Mary, I, you know, you whoever gave me this book says I'm supposed to get the message out. How am I supposed to do it? I say the prayer that night. The next morning, I get up to a phone call from my friend saying, hey, congratulations, you're in Metro News, which is a big newspaper in England. I'm like, for what? He goes, oh, for your, your fast talking. I'm like, what? And then I get another phone call. Hey, I just saw you on ABC. I go, that's impossible. I'm laying in bed. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, I was like, what happens overnight? And so then it turns out that a video I had done three years prior for True TV, the night that I said the prayer, the guy saw that video up on the shelf, realized he had never edited, edited, and then put a video together and put it on the web, and it went viral. So I started getting calls, and then I, and then in my head I said, 
talk about Hopeville. So I said, I'll come on your show, talk about being a fast talker, as long as you also let me talk about my book, Hopeville and City of Light. I start talking about, I'm about to leave for Korea to go do this whole thing. Anyway, remember, it's only an ebook form. I get a call two days before I'm about to leave for Korea. And this lady says, I've been a widow for six months. I've gone to widow groups. Nothing has consoled me. I saw that you created this ebook. I read it. And your book made me have peace inside. Would you ever think of doing the book as a soft cover? And I said, no, honestly, I just, she goes, I have so many people I could give this book to. So then I'm like, oh, someone's calling me, telling me that the book's helping them. And, and so two days later, I, I actually wound up calling this, this company, you know, 48 hour books, which you said that you use also. And they turned around, made the books. I was able to get it to this lady. And then all of a sudden, anytime I put any energy towards the book, it makes a big leap. Miller Coors ordered a whole bunch of books. Pfizer's ordered a whole bunch of books. Then one lady called, said she, uh, the book was sitting in the back of her car for a long time. Her friend wanted the book, you know, back, you know, had told her about the ebook and blah, blah, blah. And, and then the next thing that happens, this lady winds up ordering 40 copies to give out to the people that come to her circle of life. So I have, and, a, I have a question. With all of this karmic energy and this book kind of flowing and going and finding avenues you as a busy woman and obviously a serial entrepreneur have a lot going on I haven't even got to how you got to 600 words a minute but what I want to know is is Fran going to take this book or is she going to let it continue to unfold organically is there a business plan in your mind behind this book or are we letting it go where it goes you know it's a combination because I have a plan that unfolds to me and as it unfolds I follow through to that business plan so basically I do pray for guidance and I go what can I do and so like I'll have a list of um, like for example I've, I've written down a list that'll say you know my goals you know to get people reading the book and spreading toward have people leave commentary on my Hopeville the City of Light website to have people each buy two copies or more one for themselves and give to a gift to someone else who needs so you kind of set intentions for the book you set you set what you'd love to see happen to the book yeah, as an intention you, again like we had spoken before like you have your journal that you do with the daily drive if you don't write down plans how do you know you get to the next stop you know mm. and so i do have an outline of everything that i do um and so i'll say okay today i'm gonna do this this part of the plan but then it goes to that point and i go okay god now what what and happens then, if you get crazy busy with a lot of interruptions or you know you get a side you know curveball you get side swacked you know you get sick with the flu or you know something happens to your family and you're distracted because a lot of people will tell me i can't do that denise my life's too busy or i'm taking care of my aging in-law or my child's in a bad spot right now and they might be um you know, off lane, as I call it. What do you tell somebody like that? Because I agree with you. I set my intentions. I work my plan. I allow, I, I invite the possibilities in. I call in my prayers as well. You know, please show me what I need to do. But what can we tell our people that are listening? Like, yeah, it sounds good for you too, because you have all this energy, your A personalities, and you know, you've just had a track of success, not me. What do we tell them? Okay, so this is what I do on a daily basis. I have a, uh, and I literally call it, things I got to do or I'll get antsy. 
okay? And that is a list I have. And what I do the night before is I literally say, so I don't overload myself, I go, all I need to do to tomorrow to be a success is, and then I will set the one thing I have to do, and then everything else are things that I would like to accomplish, and if I don't accomplish them that day, they get moved to the next day. As long, and then I set, you know, deadlines. Listen, I've taken care of my mother on hospice, my dad on hospice. I've had my house burned down. I've been held up three times at gunpoint. I, um, <laughs> I didn't even know that. Oh, my heavens. What? I said I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I mean I've mean, i had, you know, and so people will say, oh, my God, you're always so positive. How, you know, how do you do this? I mean, I've had, you know, that my dad was in jail at one point in time, which is what almost the wise guy was based on. Um, you know, there have been so many things that people are like, how do you stay positive? So when people say to me, this is how I look at it. If you want to do something, you find a way. If you don't, you find an excuse. Mm -hmm. No one says you have to write the whole book in, you know, a day. But if you at least write one sentence or one thing towards your goal. Break it down, baby steps. And in my book, I call it mind mapping, right? Exactly. So my question to you, Fran, is where... Where are we going to, well, first of all, I have two questions. How does someone say 600 words a minute? Like, what kind of training did that require? Well, again, everything in my life is with the philosophy of just say yes and figure it out later. You know, people in my life that told me that I talk fast, I never thought of making it into a career. I was working at WBLSFM in New York City, and I was writing stand-up comedy for them. And kidding around one day, I said I could do a really cool Mae West impression, but I called the character Junice, Mae West's long-lost sister. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the guy flings the weather and traffic copy at me. I see the little red tally light come up, and in radio, you know, if you see the light, you can't have dead air, you got to speak. So all of a sudden, I was like, hmm, so see the weather and traffic is. And in the 30 seconds I happened to do it, a lady from the Daily News was listening and said, oh, I'm doing a story on weather and traffic, people. How long have you been doing it? I literally was not going to tell her 30 seconds. So I said, oh, I've been doing it a while. And she says, oh, I'd like to include you in my article. What are you planning on doing next? I didn't have a next, but I had a lady from the Daily News. So I said, I'm thinking of uh, breaking a world record. And so she said, really, for what? I didn't have a for what? So I said, oh, I can't tell you because it'll jinx it. She goes, listen, article has to go in by 6 o'clock today. Decide that you want to let me know. Give me a call. So I run out, buy a Guinness book, start looking through it, see fast talking. New people always told me for my life that I talked fast. I called her up from a phone booth. They had those way back then. Call her up from a phone booth, and I was like, yeah, all right, I'll tell you. I'm thinking of breaking the world record for fast talk. She's like, what's the record at? I'm literally reading it in the book. I go, the record is 500, um, 500 and, uh, uh, 552 words a minute. She says, what are you at? I said, 550. Those last two words are a killer. She prints it in the paper. Oh, no. The very next day, the Larry King Live people call me up and ask me to go on the show for the record. To be honest, I didn't even know who Larry King was. All I heard was cable in her, and I was like, is this some kind of porn thing? They're like, honey, no, it's a national show. I said, what if I don't break it? She goes, Larry doesn't care whether you break it or not. Just kids say, come on the show and try to break the record. Calls up Guinness, what do you have to do? They said something from Shakespeare the Bible. Me and Shakespeare never got along. I had a prayer from the Bible that my mother had taught me, which was the 91st Psalm. So I 
literally, they said they were going to have a limo come to my house. I called them up and said, you know, I'd be willing to do the thing. And so for five hours, I practiced. I went on a show and at that time broke the record doing 585 words a minute. And then I rebroke it at the Guinness Museum in Vegas doing 603.32 words a minute, which is 11 words a second. And that's basically how I got into the book. Oh, my gosh, Fran. That is such a testament to, like, if you want it, you know, they say, like, Richard Branson, a virgin, says, when the opportunity presents itself, say yes and figure out how to do it later. Whoa. That is, that is literally, I didn't realize that was his motto, too, but that is literally what I've said all my life. And people are like, what aren't you scared? Scared, fear has nothing to do with it. Am I? Yes. Am I going to let that stop me? No. And it has nothing to do with all oh, because of this or because of that. You know what? You want to lose weight. Not rocket science juice. What do you need to do? Stop putting food in your mouth. Okay? You know what I mean? Don't eat that whole cake. I mean, it's not like anything in life is difficult. We make it difficult. So making excuses for why you can't do something just means you don't want it enough. Because if you were told, hey, you're going to die tomorrow unless you do this, oh, believe me, you would do it. You have to have that fire inside you. And you know what? Every single person has to balance things in life. Fran, where can we find you? Where can we find you? If you go to Fran Capo, C-A-P-O, like head of the mob, FranCapo.com. FranCapo.com, friends. And do not give up. Yes, if you want it, you can have it. And I hope that you've enjoyed the time that we've spent today with Fran. And your book, Hopeville, The City of Light, where can we find that, Fran? You could either go to hopefillthecityoflight.com. You can also donate. And books get distributed to police departments, to children in need, and to other people so people could donate books. Or you go to frankcapo.com and go to the bookstore. Either way. We thank you so much for coming on today, Fran. You are a true inspiration and a daily driver. Listen, friends, it's how you fuel your mind, your body, your soul that creates the lifestyle you live. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Share it. Be somebody else's life. Together, we all move each other forward. Thanks so much, Fran. We'll see you next time.